Love a rugby league same-game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same-game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favorite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars podcast. Barnsley here for one of the uh, second last, maybe, episodes with the preseason team previews. Bit of an odd one today because we've got the Newcastle Knights, which is fine, but we've also got the Sydney Roosters who have just dropped their team list because we've got Team List Tuesday Part 1 and Team List Tuesday Part 2. So we're going to talk about that as well briefly with the Roosters because we already know what that team's going to be, but we still need to do a bit of a preview on it and what we think. Obviously, because we're doing the Newcastle Knights, so there was no one else I could get in to do, to do this one other than Luke Garrity, resident Knights fan, and also host of the Rugby League Cemetery podcast as well. So, Luke, welcome back, mate. There's, fans have been asking for you. They said, where's Luke? We need to talk about Newcastle. Glad I've got you back on. Thanks, mate. It's, um, yeah, I... I think surely people have got better things to do than to hear me sort of wind on about Newcastle, but I'm, I'm pleased to hear it and glad to be on here and have, have an audience for it for once. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there is um, a few Newcastle fans, so I mean, we do, I'm sure that they'll love to talk about it. Uh, we are going to start with the Roosters, though, because the Roosters just had the team list drop. So, I mean, I think that's yeah makes it the most interesting thing to, to start with as well. Um, I think uh, probably just briefly, like we should probably mention, with the team list, I don't think there was many changes, so I'm just going to skip over it. The Broncos did start Mariner over Oates on the wing. Um, with them, I found that kind of interesting. Not that I disagree with it because I think Oates is pretty past the use by date, but I just didn't think that Kevy would have gone away from Oates, really. Well, that's weird. I, don't, I just don't get why they re-signed him. Um, you know, there was interest in him in, over the off-season because there always is in guys that have a bit of a name. He played Origin not all that long ago, and... He, yeah, I, I don't really, I understand he took a pay cut, but, you know, he's still going to want to be paid, you'd assume, somewhat reasonable money and he's got a bit of a name. And if they've got some young guys there, they're happy to put in. Uh, given he didn't start last year and he's now not starting this year, you do wonder what value there was in that decision of keeping on to him. That's sort of the surprising thing for me. Yeah, same. I mean, I guess he was low price, as I think Wilfred has said to us anyway, but... Um, I, mm. I, I mean, Notes has never really been locked in recently. He has lost his job before and stuff, so... It's not too surprising. I just think that a lot of teams didn't really have Mariner getting there. And for Supercoach, Mariner's irrelevant because of his price point close to 600K. So basically forget about that one. Uh, Despite the talks as well, Willis had actually got in the side. So that's still there. For the Seagulls, we do have Burbo there. And I do have to ask you because it's a bit contentious. I've only just recently done the Manly preview and released it. I'm probably going to throw him in there. But, you know, there seems to be two different camps with Burbo. One was super excited, like he's getting named, he's going to start, Schuster's out, throwing him in. Uh, and the other was probably what I'm in, whereas I'll probably put him in, but I'm pretty worried about it because I've been pretty scarred from him coming off the bench and scoring like four and eight points and stuff before. And I don't 
have faith in Schuster, but just because he's starting this one doesn't mean I've got faith that next week Schuster's not back and Burbo's not playing 20. Have you got him in your side? I do. Uh, I've been like four times and none of them have gone good. Like this will be number four. <laughs> that hasn't been a time where it worked out. Uh, last year should have, like everything was was tracking right and I got him in for buy rounds and he he was playing fine forward for his price and just did his hammy, um, which is, you know, the Travoyevich trend for me. Um, but, yeah, I know I've, I've got him in. I, I just think it's hard. It's extra hard with this first week because I think you kind of got to take a bit more of a risk than you might because you don't have the full picture. If we had all of the teams, I'd be happy enough to leave him out if I knew who else was going to emerge. But I don't really want to get into a situation next week where, you know, Burbo plays 80 minutes this week and we get into next week and I can't make Caelan Ponger or, um, you know, or, or whoever it might be, or Dylan Brown or Hines or Clear or something work because we didn't get a good enough cheapy in the centres and we're stuck with 350k guys and trying to make that work. So if you've got a guy and he's playing this week and there's somewhat some security there, and I would say... Filling in for Josh Schuster is a pretty good job security situation over the last couple of years, um, particularly when he's doing calves again and, you know, they're talking about all sorts of things in the preseason. So could he lose his job? Yeah, I think he could. But without knowing who the other teams are going to pick, I think you just got to do it. It's probably a year where we don't have the luxury of uh, enough cheapies around to to just leave those sort of guys out. Not when we don't know, you know, that's the thing. If, if we had him there, you, you know, we could have, if you wanted to have a debate about is mm-hmm. Burbo better than some guy who's been picked out of the blues for the Warriors or Raiders that we don't know about yet, we could have that argument, but we just don't know. So when he's playing and starting, I think in his dual, so you can kind of shift him around if you have to. It's pretty hard to say no when you don't know what you're comparing him to yet. Yeah, and it'll be good because we can both get burnt a fifth time by him as well and, and just chalk <laughs> that up good, as 5-0 yeah. and, it. you know. Yeah, I'll keep going. I'm going for. I'm going for the set. I want ten. I'm just going to go through time. Have him every year for the next. Decade. He never works out, but yeah, you know, maybe <laughs> this time. The Rabbitohs did name Jacob Gagai, and that's a bottom dollar guy that we look. Munro is going to be out a while, and I think that it's kind of the same thing. Like we've been blessed with Jacob Gagai, and we may not get another bottom price cheapie in any backline named next week when we get TLT part two. So for me, I'm I'm going to throw him in there. I basically had a placeholder there, just hoping that we got a bottom dollar guy I can replace him with. And so I'm just going to throw him in there because you know, may as well. Uh, people have brought up the fact that yeah, Kenner and uh, and Gagai together, you know, could get torn to shreds by Turbo and Manly, and you know that might happen. But it's like you said, we don't have too many options, and we don't know what's going to happen next week. And I don't think many teams predict project next week to to have a cheapie, it's going to probably surprise us if we get a bottom dollar guy. So I'm going to throw him in. Did you sort of same train of thought for you with Jacob Gagai being named today? Yeah, I have. I'm a bit dodgier on him just because I feel better that he was named on the wing because obviously Whiten's back in two weeks. So someone's dropping out and he kind of is 28 and hasn't played first grade. And like good on him for getting picked, but generally speaking, if he was particularly outstanding, he'd he'd debuted before now. Um, so that's a bit of a worry because you've got Kenner who has played before and then you've got, I believe, um, one of the South guys couldn't go over. I'm mind blanking on his name, but the, the winger played last year. Um, couldn't go over to the States because of his criminal record. And, you know, there's guys hanging around, so you do wonder. But he's been named on the wing. We know the guy that's going to play on that wing is out for a period of time. Presumably they wouldn't have, you know, who's going to play centre. It would be weird to play Kenner on the centre for one week and then put Kenner on the wing because Gagai could, could have played centre. So 
you probably just got to do it because like you said i actually i think it would be a surprise if we got someone at base price next week there's no projected teams or people where you're going oh they're right on the edge of it get picked um in the back line it's all guys you know almost almost 300 and up really apart from maybe the storm you know came they gets picked or something but aside from that there's really not anyone under the 300 mark we're pretty confident it's going to get picked no there's not so i mean that's why i'm throwing him in and i will say too I agree with you with Kenner being named at centre, putting us, I guess, some small bit of confidence we might be able to take away. But the other thing too is that they they went pretty hard to get him to, to actually get him eligible to play. Like they, if you recall, they actually went at the NRL and were disappointed with the decision to to not allow the All Stars game to count and went at Adam again and said you need to reconsider. And they ended up doing that and letting him go across. So I mean. If there was somebody else there that they thought was like neck and neck with him, I have to think that they just they wouldn't have gone as hard on it, or they would have just accepted the decision, or they would have just played someone else. Like, but they seem pretty adamant that they wanted to start him, so that's probably good as well. You do make a good point with White, and though, and that's the thing you just you don't really know what's going to happen. It's Isaac Thompson. I forgot. Sorry, just going back. It's Isaac Thompson that couldn't go over. Yeah, so he's the one that couldn't go. So I, I mean, there's a theoretical world where <laughs> sort of Triple E pitch puts five tries on, on gay guy and Kenner and they, they rush in Thompson, but yeah, that's the only, again, but I agree. I still agree with what you said. He's been picked. They wanted him to go. They went to the effort to go and they've picked him in the position on the wing where there is a vacancy for a period of time. So, you know, I don't think Isaac Thompson who didn't get picked at the end of last year or regularly last year, he was in and out of the team sort of walks into that spot round two if Gabo holds his gloves up and goes, okay. You think he could hold it? Yeah, you think that he could. Um, and look, I probably before we talk about my Sydney Roosters as well, I'm largely staying away from these games as far as VCs and certainly Cs go. And I am expecting. I know people have, like I said, people are saying, "Oh, you know that some of those edges uh, and centre wing pairings that the Rabbitohs have could get carved up and stuff." I'm not expecting this to be massive scoring, and it's one of those things where you have to sort of look at the occasion and go. Like for me anyway, I think that all the teams are going to really aim up. Like I think that it's pretty motivating where you're, you're the first group of teams that are playing in Vegas. The field's smaller as well, which will have some impact, although maybe not much. And I just think that the refs are also going to let them go at it a bit, which might bring in fatigue. But what it doesn't bring in is a million six agains or a million penalties or send-offs and stuff where one team runs over the other, which you might get sometimes if you've got one team dominating a bit more. So... I tend to sort of want to stay away from this as far as captaincies and vice captaincies go, but it also gives me a little bit of, um, I guess, hope that we're not going to get some smash-ups in these games either. Yeah, at the start of the season, teams are usually up for it. It's not usually round one, two, and three that you get really big scores. Um, If Cody Walker had been out for South, you could have had it if you were going the way of a turbo or something. If they had Walker out and, you know, their forwards look a bit shaky and then they've got multiple backs out, you might have started to think that was a bit of a go. I wouldn't talk anyone out of throwing a BC on Turbo. If they, you know, it's hard because then you got if you're going to go with Ponga next week, he's got a good game as well. But it's um, I wouldn't talk anyone out of a Turbo. But it's probably I probably agree with you overall. I'm not doing it. Um, maybe if Cody had pulled out with that calf, you'd start to think South could have some points put on them. But like I said, everyone will be up for it. They usually are round one anyway. People put their gloves up. There'll be a bit of a fight in the middle. Both coaches will tell them not to make mistakes. It's always plan A for the first month of the season. It's usually a bit later that we see everyone kick off. So that combined with going over there, big occasion and all that, I probably agree. 
Um, they haven't sent a weak side. They haven't sent a really weak team over there. The four teams look pretty reasonable on paper with everyone fit. Um, I'd stay away from it too, I think. Well, we are meant to do a Roosters team preview, so we'll talk about their team list first, and then we'll uh, <laughs> then we'll just have a look at their draw and stuff. Uh, I am a little surprised at some of it. Uh, obviously, Dom Young's out. I think that it is. I've said a million times. Like, let's start with the back line first. Like, I've said a heap of times that I expected it to be out of kind of Billy Smith or Swirley. And to be honest, if I was choosing the team, and I'm not Robbo, so I'm not saying it's the way that it would have gone, but. Swalee was always a guy I would have left out, not because he's no good, but because he can't play centre. And I just think that he's going at the end of the year and, and Tupo's played as well as what he has the last three or four years and keeps doing what he's doing and he's a pretty big leader in the team as well. And, and Dom Young was sensational last year and is a new signing and he's going to be there longer term. So, I mean, it just made sense to me. But Swalee is named on the wing. We're not really going to know because I guess that's Dom Young's wing, but does he go and replace Billy Smith at centre or... Something like that happened, you know. I don't know, but it does mean for me that Daniel Tupo, I believe, is safe because of that call. How did you sort of see that position battle for the Roosters panning out? Uh, it annoyed me how many people said Daniel Tupo wouldn't be picked because it sort of just shows a little bit of ignorance as to um, these guys that are over there. I thought so many people were assuming all preseason that he wasn't going to get picked, and I was like, I do not see that happening. And I can't I'm watch. so glad that you said that and not me because I can't say that. So I was yeah. relying on you there. <laughs> oh, I just, I just didn't like if they weren't going to pick him. If they didn't intend to pick him, I just don't think they would have kept him or resigned him um, or had him around. Like if they said you're not in the team anymore, um, we don't see it there. I just don't think they've done it. And it's you know the other guys are kind of shining new toys in a way. Like you know, um, I mean, Dom had a better year than Dan Tupu last year, but but Dom's young and really exciting. And then Billy Smith kind of finally put it together by, you know, not breaking down for a while. Last year, we, he feels like a new player and it, it's all new and exciting and to Ali, he's still young. But the, the bottom line is Tipu's been a really top player for a long time. Um, and I don't think if they had intentions of him playing reserve grade, they would have re-signed him for an extra year. So I was a bit annoyed that we didn't get to kind of shut that down. Uh, but i probably agree with you. I, I'd be tempted to keep Billy Smith. I, I, I would probably, if, if Suwali had signed for the Roosters for five or six years, um, I would probably almost persevere with him at centre because of his upside um, for the moment, and that might to try and see if he can improve there. But given he's going, I, I, Billy Smith's a better centre at the moment, and I, I think um, the Emu and Young are probably better wingers. I mean, surely he can probably do what they do as well, but again, he's going. I don't think you get anything additional by playing him over either of those two guys, to be honest. So that, that's how I would go. But it'll be interesting. Someone's always hurt there. It won't matter. <laughs> you guys have always got backs that are out injured. There'll, there'll be one round in about round 16 where they have to actually deal with these problems. <laughs> well, there's, there's that as yeah. well, yeah, for sure. And look, aside from the attack and the tries and everything, when you're looking at Tupo and, and some of these other guys like Dom Young as well, the other important factors for Tupo to never be dropped here is he's a really important part of the leadership group in the Roosters. He's an all-time leading scorer. His form hasn't dropped, but just the cultural and team stuff that would happen if you're dropping Tupo for not no reason, but I mean, without him being earned, being dropped. Mm. Um, I just don't see the Roosters doing something like that. It, it really does. Defender ups- too. I think he's well, been a good defender for a That was the next years, point, so. right? It's not just about mm. scoring tries. It's really underrated that Tupo is a very good defender and he is very safe. He's very experienced. And the other thing, and the last thing is he's a massive worker. And, like, yeah. that's something that Dom Young doesn't have. He'll learn it, and he's really good when he does it and he rolls his sleeves up. 
but he takes half as many hit-ups as Daniel Tupo does. And what you can't do is have two wingers that are both low work rate. Like you need you need at least one of them in the modern era to be able to do some of that work. And Tupo does that really well, but he just doesn't seem to get recognised for it sometimes. Yeah, and and I think that that you want you want him on one. That's just the pro, and I would just be doing that. And the other, I think, when I was saying sort of young and Sueli, you know, obviously Sueli could do a lot of things. Young can too, but the thing that Young's got that I actually think the Roosters are missing is he's just quick. Like he's so quick. very fast. And, and I, people have some people have still slept on that a bit. Like I, I watched him when he. You know, the first year he played at the Knights before he was particularly popular, there was a couple of runs where he made where I've gone, oh, I think he might be, like, the, as quick as anyone in the comp. And I, I still think he is. Uh, maybe not the hammer, but and anyone else, I really, like, he runs him down. And and there's been times where when you're at games where you get a really good view of it and he would run down the sideline on our side and you're like, oh, they've got him. He can't score here. Like, the cover defence has got him. And then you're like, oh, my God, they haven't. And I don't know how because they had him covered. And times where he's come from the other side of the field when the other team makes a break and you can just watch him coming like the predator down the other side, mowing people down in steps. And and, and that's on both sides of the ball, um, I think we'll add a, a you know, we'll, we'll add a lot to them because Roosters were always good at a lot of those sweet plays and it just ices chances. So that, that's what I would have done. Um, but I guess we'll we'll wait and see what happens when they're all fit. So the Fords was always a big Question mark, and I've sort of said during the preseason that I was really worried about it, um, and we're going to talk about them individually in a moment. Was I, I was surprised because I did think that Nat Butcher, who has been named on the bench, would be the one edge that was locked in, and all the rest I was worried about. And Nat Butcher's found himself on the bench with Wong and Tupanua as the two preferred edges to start. I don't really know what to make of it, and my initial thought was, is this going to change? Because I I wouldn't be surprised, and probably what I would say from the Roosters team list is I'd be very wary that you've obviously got the extended side, but you've also got before kickoff, you know, Tupanua coming off and Butcher starting or or something, you know. Um, But either way, like you you could see this shuffling around a little bit from what it is at the moment. So I'm not sure. I I need to see what happens with that Butcher because I'm surprised. Can I ask why they would name it? Like what value would they... I'm not, I'm not saying you're not right. I'm asking what what would they be trying to achieve by not naming who is going to start in those positions? Like, is that I don't watch the Richard Teamless enough. Now, is that something that Robbo mucks around with for no reason? Like the old Brian Smith kind of vibes, or the Connor Watson named at 13 and start on the bench at the Knights? Like, is this why would he if he's not intending this? Is that something he would tend to do? Well, um, maybe he's just trying to keep up with modern rugby league trends of um, doing this every now and then for no apparent reason and maybe claiming that it psychs yeah. up the, out the other team or something or they can't plan for it or whatever. I don't know. It, but it, one thing that we yeah. do know is that it, it does happen. Yeah, Wayne Bennett's famous for yeah. doing crap no, like this. No, it totally does, yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I, like, it, it kills me because I, I never think that it's a big deal. I find it very hard to believe teams sit around and are going to go, um, you know, Oh my God, we were all planning for Connor Watson to start at lock, and now he's on the bench and they're starting Kurt Mann. The whole thing's falling apart, like you know. And uh, whether whether it's Wong or, or Nat Butcher on, on the right edge for the Roosters, you have to suspect it won't really um, Brisbane change what Brisbane plans to do, such as get the ball to Reese Walsh on the edge and run around him. So, uh, but yeah, you, you, they do do it, so it, it, it's hard to say. But it's an interesting one because I guess the obvious question straight off with those edges in the team list is. At the start of the preseason, when we had no idea, and you're just guessing, Wong was straight in my team. You know, the first team you make in January, because you go, oh, yeah, if he gets the edge, he's going to go great. Um, later in the preseason, I kind of swapped him out for Tupanua because we sort of thought he was all the noise was he was going well. 
well and he was a chance to get in. Um, do you just pick one now? Or do you have to, like, it's with the amount of guys that we think will get picked next week, like your Lukey's, Smithies, Lane, Piacora, uh, possibly Curran, Kikau, is it too big of a risk to take two that Butcher does come on one? Do you have to pick one and just hope you get the right rooster, given that you'll have all these other guys you can? It's almost the opposite of a cheapy situation in the back. So if you don't take Tupanua and um, Wong, uh, there's a fair chance you will get enough guys at a similar price next week to put in instead if you only take one. Um, but they both look good options, right? If they play 80 minutes, they're fantastic options. Yeah, I think you just have to take a punt and hope for the best potentially, but you can also just stay away, which is what I might end up doing. Because the other thing too with that, right, mm-hmm. is the other big thing was Connor Watson wasn't named at 14. Now, I'm not surprised by that one. I actually said throughout the preseason, I don't I don't know if he's going to be in the team because it's basically a four-forward bench with Connor Watson being able to spell hooker and maybe move somewhere else if they really need it but it doesn't give them a proper utility. And Sandon Smith actually played really well at times last year and is a bit of a young gun for the Roosters himself. So, And the Roosters' injury history is well known in the last two years. So my argument for Sandon Smith was always he actually gives them a proper, legit guy that can be a utility to move the back line around if, if they need to to be able to accommodate an injury. Whereas Watson used to be able to do that, but the Watson now hasn't played for two years and has bulked up at Newcastle as well. And it just isn't a six or a one or anything anymore either. So uh, it doesn't surprise me. But the, the knock-on effect of that is that if Watson was in the side, he would have spelled Victor Radley, who is around about a 50-odd minute player, and he'll probably continue to be that. Whereas now that Watson isn't there, I do wonder whether the knock-on effect of that is Natty's a very good middle and he could play 30 minutes to spell Radley and then he could move to the edge. So maybe Nat Butcher still gets 60 minutes and it's 30 minutes spelling Radley and 30 minutes spelling that edge. And that would, you know, make sense to me as well. So that probably looks about right. Um, It does sort of look like Nafua White is going to be the placeholder for Spencer Lenu's role. Um, Nafua White's been very well regarded by the Roosters for years. He just hasn't quite broken through. But it feels like he's probably going to be Spencer next week and Spencer's starting job goes to JWH. Um, And that's probably about the set team, if I were to guess it. But obviously you don't know, right? Angus Crichton's in Jersey 19. Maybe he comes in for White and he's a middle slash edge as well. What's the go... What's the go with that? Like, I understand he had his issues and, you know, he had to go away from the game, but... He wasn't physically injured and he came back and, and played and is fit. And like we're talking 18 months ago, he would have been in the top four back rowers in the entire world. Like what what is the go with him being unable to make the Roosters team? Like what's It's not really being talked about. It's just accepted that it's okay for him to not be in a team that has White and Butcher and Tupanua and Wong and all these guys. And like 18 months ago, it was in the Australian team. And I know he had those healthy – like is that still – going on like he came back to football oh no i don't think it's a health issue at all i I think it's i think it's twofold that he's been named at jersey 19 Um, i've said all pre-season it's a make or break season yeah for angus Crichton. it's a long drop it's a long drop from where he was at it's a big drop but like he wasn't whether he he was still feeling effects last year or not i don't know yeah so i'm not going to be hard on him for his form but he didn't play anywhere near as well as what he did previously. Yeah, and yeah. I would I would say whilst the Angus Crichton and me and you both know and love from two years ago, we'd take over all these guys. On last year's form, he was better than none of them. So, I mean, I always sort of thought he had to have a pretty storming preseason to be able to reassert himself. And I guess I thought he would. Yeah. 
I guess I thought he would because he's not old, you know, like it, I would have thought like you've gone through this, he came back and I understand last year being disrupted coming in mid-year, but I kind of just assumed like day one when I made my team, I'm like, oh, Angus Crichton's going to be the best buyer in the game because he's going to go come out ripped and fit and firing and, you know, get back to where he was. But it's just quite surprising that that's um, obviously not happening because there's a lot of names ahead of him that it's pretty inconceivable. You go back past round one last year that a lot of these guys get picked before Angus in the middle or the edge. But, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I haven't been following it. It's just interesting. Yeah, I don't think from what I've heard, he hasn't he hasn't been great in the preseason, and it's not on him. It's just yeah, okay. I think that he's continued the form that he had last year, and yeah. unfortunately for him, that's not good enough, and because he's got a lot of talented guys around him ahead now. And the the last thing with him is that, look, if he's going and he's going to rugby union, like he's not on much money this year, and he could be off to rugby union, and if that's already set in motion and stuff, to me, you're kind of like you you are going to play your best side, and you're going to want to win, and Robbo wants to do that, but at the same time, if he's neck and neck with you know, a, a Terrell May or a, a Nafua White who they want to keep long-term and who's been coming through, where you just go, well, I'm going to give it to White then because he's outplaying him anyway and he's going to be around and Angus might even be leaving and stuff. I think there might be some behind-the-scenes stuff potentially with the rugby union move and him moving on and stuff even. so, But, again, we we don't know because he's another one at kickoff time. He could come in for White. Oh, I sort of just saw that White one as that's a, a prop role. You know, Terrell May... And Lino on the bench with JWH and Colin starting, that makes sense. Maybe they try and use Nat Butcher at a prop, which they've done before. Like, it is so difficult to decide what they are going to do. Um, Spencer Lino is starting, um, and I, I sort of expected that. Like, I do think that he is number three in the front row pecking order. I always thought May was fourth, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Look, we can't spend too long on TLT. We do need to take a really quick break just to talk about our fantastic betting partner in Picklebet. You can go to picklebet.com.au today. They are a fantastic bookie. They often have best odds in market. And when you do, make sure that you sign up and use the promo or affiliate code ALLSTARS, or all one word. Really important because that way they know to make sure they take great care of you as an ALLSTARS listener and give you some of the best offers, which they often have plenty of. They've also got great NRL markets up at the moment. So have a look at those because I'm really keen on a few of them. Uh, look, you can go for the best team in New South Wales, and the Penrith Panthers are paying $1.99 for that. Now, I'll tell you what, 2 to 1 for Penrith to be the best team out of the New South Wales teams that are there. That is exceptional as a market, but also the odds for Penny. So I'm all over that one. I'll tell you the other one I'm all over. They've got the top four markets up. And some of the big, I think, value ones, the Roosters are the fourth favourites at $1.83. Now, everyone's going to say, Barnsley are Roosters, man. Yeah, I know, but it's almost 2 to 1 odds. Melbourne Storm, $1.97 to make the top four. Those are good odds for two teams that could make the top four, and that's what Picklebet's all about. They've got a heap of markets up there at the moment. You can go on there, have a look, and they've got some great value. So jump on picklebet.com.au today. Make sure you use a referral code or affiliate code, it's often called when you sign up, All Stars. They've got great offers there. They'll take great care of you. Of course, always think, is this a bet that you really want to place? For free and confidential support, you can call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Now, continuing the Supercoach chat. We are going to talk about Roosters' options. To do that, Luke, I do want to touch on the draw. Uh, it's not very good for the Roosters. They do play round 13, which is nice. But they're going to play the Broncos in Vegas, which isn't great. Um, they do have a 14-day turnaround before they hit the Seagulls, but it's away. Uh, then they've got the Rabbitohs at home and then the Panthers at home. That first month of football, the draw by itself is hard enough with the teams, uh, let alone 
you know, having to play in Vegas at the start as well. So I hate the first month for the Roosters. I don't like it. It does go a little bit better after that, where round five they hit the Bulldogs at home, the Knights at home, the Storm away at Amy Park, and the Dragons at, uh, away, although the Dragons one is a Anzac clutch, which are traditionally pretty pretty tight. And then sort of Broncos, Warriors, Sharks, Raiders, Cowboys into their bye. There's a lot of um, tougher games there. And I, I just don't think that the draw has done them any favours. So I didn't rate the draw. I actually think personnel-wise, the Roosters are stronger this year than what they have been the last couple. How did you sort of see that for the draw for Supercoach? Yeah, it's not good for Supercoach. Um, the, the Bulldogs game, in the entirety of the first 10 weeks, you've got the Bulldogs in round five and the Dragons in round eight that you might think are target games. Like there's obviously games in there that they may win, but games where you think if you're taking attacking players that you're actually targeting, thinking that they're a big chance to you know, whether it's an edge back row scoring two or three tries or your, or your winger doing something like that or a heap of try assist to a Tedesco or Sam Walker or whatever. There's, there's probably only two games in the first 10 weeks where you'd feel very good about those chances. The other ones you're kind of thinking, yeah, like they're, they're going to be in a reasonable fight to win the game based on how those teams went last year. Um, South weren't great at the end of last year, but they'll be better this year and they always get up for the Roosters. Um yeah, it's hard to know how the Knights are going to go at this point, but it's a, it's a Knights home game, so that's not not ideal. And otherwise, there's really, you know, the Warriors in round 10 who, who we have to assume might be might be good again. So there's uh, there's just not a lot to target there for upside players. It's, I wouldn't have any concerns about picking your base players, but it's, it's pretty hard to back in um, upside with that first 10 weeks. Yeah, in the first 10 games, they've only got, got four at home in the first 10. Yeah. But one of the ways at Vegas as well. So yeah. it's not it's just not a good draw for the Roosters, unfortunately. Uh, Tedesco is the first gun that we're going to talk about. And he is coming off a 69-point season. Probably a bit overstated at how bad he was at Supercoach. Everyone went off the start of the season. Um, and certainly at the start of the year, it wasn't great. He only averaged 53 points per game between round one and 10. Uh, and it was panic stations. I ended up buying him for a run and, and hope for the best and, and it went all right in the middle. And I think that's what people need to take away from it. I, I actually, and people might say I'm biased with this and that's fine. I actually thought that Kalen Ponga was the best fullback in the game for the final maybe third of the season. And I thought that Tedesco was probably the second best. Um, and the Supercoach scores actually reflect that. Between rounds 19 to 26, Tedesco averaged 85 points per game which is significantly better than his season. And even in the middle period, around 11 to 18 during Origin, he averaged 75. So he actually finished quite strong. And if you have a look from post-Origin, um, he didn't play in round 20, but from round 21, he went 134, 34, uh, which is away against Brisbane where they got walloped, 71, 63, 125 and 83. He actually finished quite strong. And, and I thought that he was looking a lot better. So... Everyone's going to stay away from him, and I think it's within pretty good reason for Supercoach. He still went 60-plus 60% of the time, though. Uh, he still managed to get four tons out of his 20 games, which isn't a terrible strike rate. And two of them were 120-pluses as well, with the 134 being his high. It wasn't the Tedesco that we've seen of old. At the same time, I think that it was well overstated, and probably a lot of people are, are thinking about the first the first portion of the season when they're thinking about how good or bad Tedesco was. The biggest positive for him, Luke, is that he comes into this season at 707000 So he's a lot cheaper than a lot of the other options. He's basically him and, and Dylan Edwards on a tier two price point. Uh, I will go out on a limb and say I would have started with James Tedesco if not for the draw, but the draw completely put me off and I said oh, I'm going to pay between 100 and 150 k for someone else just due to the draw. 
Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, it's the first year I haven't started with him in a long time and I haven't really considered starting with him. Um, yeah. I think the problem for him at the moment is that on the field, he's probably faded a little bit the last 18 months and we need to see if he can turn that around. But he's 31 and he's good enough to do that, uh, but he is also 31 and, you know, you have to wonder sometimes whether that he has just faded off a little bit. And I guess the other thing for me, what, what I'm just done with predicting the Roosters uh, is that every year everyone's like, oh, gee, if they get together with that roster, they're going to be right up the top. And they've inevitably come out and been extremely disappointing for large lots of the regular season at different points, often start, um, and then kind of put it together at some point and reminded us that, that they're good but not really done it over a year. And I, I just... I think the thing with Teddy is now that he's just sort of seems to be that 5% off where he was, uh, I just don't know that I want to back the Roosters to do enough for him um, with those kind of like up the middle tries he gets and all the backing up and all that work he does. Uh, if I see it from the Roosters, I'll be really quick to start looking at Teddy. If they come out the first three weeks and are just looking really sharp and putting points on, I would really quickly start having a look at him and, and sort of downgrading almost to fullback and saving a lot of money to get him in um, and play a hot hand. But I just think I've got, I've got to see it more from the Roosters than I do from Tedesco um, with the ball mm. first because they're just, they're just such a frustrating team like that because they, they, they'll put it together at some points of the year. They just have these patches and, and it often is the start. We just don't wonder what, what on earth they're doing. Well, people will say it's a crutch though, but like they have had the most injuries the last two years out of anyone. Yeah, but it's often the start of the year, though. Like, it's often the start. They come out and look really... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't They didn't come the out. That... They didn't come out well. And Robbo came out and actually said that they've done a lot of work um, in the preseason yeah. and he's conscious of how they've started the last few years, and which I thought was really good for him to recognise. But not that he hasn't recognised it, I'm sure, but for him to actually say that, you know, to the media and stuff, yeah. I thought was really positive. Um, but... I don't want to make excuses on injuries, but like they've absolutely been smashed the last two years. And I've had so many jokes with friends saying, well, we have to go better this year because there's no way the last two years of injuries can happen. Like it just can't. And I do think that's hindered Tedesco because at his age, you know, he's definitely dropped off. Um, he dropped off a, a pace, but he's still fast enough. But one of the things that I've seen him drop off in the last two years is he's taken a backseat to the playmaking. So when he came over from the Tigers, he wasn't a playmaker at all. He couldn't pass. And people will say he can't do that now. But he actually went through a few really good years when the Roosters were humming and winning grand finals where his he's right to left pass in particular as a cutout was actually really good at times. And he was actually getting a lot of try assists and line break assists. And in the last two years, he just hasn't got that. And I think that a lot of it has come down to him trying too hard, which is also had errors creeping in because he just hasn't had guys around him enough because of the injuries and they haven't had the cohesion. Well, I'm expecting Sammy Walker to have a big year. I'm going to talk about that. I think a proper halfback in there is going to help him. If Kiri can just be a bit consistent, I think that'll help him. Um, Brandon Smith was hurt all last year. He's their number nine in that spine. If he can just turn up this year and be average, like that could help them. So I, look, I'm not putting it off Teddy. I do think that he's dropped down a little bit. But it's at the point now where you go, you know what, he's dropped off, but he still averaged almost 70 last year. You know, if he's priced at that and he's doing 70s this year, he will become an option again, potentially, depending on what happens with the other fullbacks. There's no way, Luke, that I'm going to consider him over the other fullbacks. There's just no chance. But I really like your point. If in a month, like someone goes down or you start with a drink water and he's been terrible and he's going to lose a bucket of cash and Teddy's got that Bulldogs matchup coming up, it could be a really handy downgrade. And that might be where Teddy's useful in the first couple of months if we can see it. 
Yeah, and, and the other thing is there's all this conjecture over the state of origin and we have a new coach and everything. And if he just decides that we're going to go in a completely new direction and that totally remains to be seen, that you go and look at their draw once we get into the um into the state of origin period. And the, because the draw is tough early, when you start to go over from a route, they go from 11 to 20. They've got Cronulla, Canberra, North Queensland, Para, and then they've got a Bulldogs, West Tigers, St George run in that kind of... 16, 17, 18 um, kind of area. So there's a there's a really good patch of games if he was to miss Origin where you'd have to have a really good think about, which presumably would fire him up a lot, <laughs> is that we might get a really good chance of him really nailing that middle of the season part and going on a bit of a run. Yeah, 100%. And if he's playing that round 13 bye, that's that's pretty amazing for him to become relevant again as well. Yeah. Um, and just to finish up on him on an actual stat, he's evade and create stats, so he's... Yeah, tackle breaks, line breaks, line breaks, assists, try assists and tries. Like I was saying, he wasn't creating as much anymore. That's His tackle breaks were still pretty good, but he's basically combined, looking at that, at 33 points per game last season. In 2020, that was 55 points per game, and he was averaging 95 points. Uh, absolutely amazing. So you can imagine dropping from 55 points per game in a few years to 33 points per game. You know, that's a huge drop-off. And a lot of that's down to line break assists and try assists. That's basically what it comes down to. If he can find some of that back, there's actually some upside because he scored pretty consistent. He had eight tries last year and eight tries a year before. He normally scores between eight and 11. You know, there's not really much fluctuation there. It's those other stats. And the Roosters didn't score a lot last year, which didn't help him because the attack wasn't very good. Can't talk about Teddy all day. Um, I think that we agree that he's an option at some point. Joey Manu, though, uh, he kind of bucked a trend a little bit for me last year. Like, I've always hated him at centre, and he started off and, and looked pretty good there, a little bit better. Um, but last year was the year in, in 2022, sorry, was the year that he really looked good when he was at centre because he was roaming around. I just wasn't sure how much of that we were going to see. He ended up averaging 64 points in 2023, and that was a big drop-off from his 76 in 2022. And we did see him play a number of games at 6-1 and one last year. He actually played there more often than what we've ever seen in a season. Uh, he had what, six consecutive games named at six, and through that he went 90, 63, 86, 33, 41, 51. Now, it wasn't great for him at six. Uh, so all those people that were wanting him at six for Supercoach, he didn't actually translate all that well. Um, at one, he's always scored well, uh, but we saw 117 outbursts from him, but we also saw a 49-point game, although against the Storm, and against the Tigers, he got injured playing one. So all in all, 64-point season was a 12-point regression on 2022. If the Roosters are clicking, you know, maybe he gets it up a bit. But if he's leaving as well, you know, that's another spanner in the works. There just seems to be a lot of question marks with the Roosters. And with Joey Manu, it's a big one too. 652000 Luke. Oh, there's no way I can pay that for him. I would rather find the money to go to a certified gun like Marju, who we're going to talk about later, or to look at some of these other guys that are around the 650 k mark that don't have the flags. Uh, certainly, he, he's got a good base, 34 raw base and 19 base attack. It's going to bring him up towards you know early to mid-50s, depending on how this season goes as a floor. Floor is good, but I just couldn't do it at that price for round one for him with that draw. Yeah, I'm just not interested in him um, while he's playing in the centres. That, that you know, we've got the year where he averaged 76, and outside of that, we've got like I said 64, and other years we've got 61, 56, down to 50, etc. It's one of those things that that 2022 was almost as good as he could play. Um, he's been phenomenal in in the World Cup and stuff like that, and he was amazing all year, and he was probably the best player in the game. And 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 that happens. You can't always look at past seasons and go, oh. Well, 
he could get back to this and he regressed. It's like, no, that was kind of the outlier that year. But that that was he's a absolute gun, one of the best centers that, that's been around in the last twenty years. And that and and that year was almost as good as he can play and he can be 10% worse than that and still be one of the best centers in the comp and that's probably what he'll do if he stays for the rest of his career. It's very unlikely. I just don't see him touching that kind of numbers over a year again playing in the centers. Um, that was just he, – you couldn't tackle him the whole year. Nobody could put a hand on him uh, anywhere he went and, you know, 5%, 10% off that still makes him one of the best centers in the game. It just doesn't mean he's going to average 75 in super coach. So I, I, I would have to see it with him again. I, I, I don't – really think we're going to see that kind of season again unless he has to move to fullback. Yeah, he's probably been arguably the best center in the game for four years. And yeah. aside from the 76 in 2022, you know, those four years also include a 64, 62 and 56 average. You know, 2020 when Teddy went ballistic, Demato yeah. only averaged 56. He's always been yeah. a bit of a average super coach option at center, but a phenomenal elite real life option. And I think that because he had that breakout 2022 and even last year he showed flashes, People forget that, that he actually hasn't been yeah. hugely relevant as a centre. Look, I've never wanted to start with him. And in 2022, he busted out and it's like, oh, maybe he's he's at an age where maybe he's coming out. But I think we saw again last year that whilst he probably was affected by personnel and stuff, you know, he's not going to get to 76 again. Um, and I don't think you can pay the money for him to start the season. And we're going to move on past Nat Butcher, who was on our run sheet. But he's now on the bench, which is very surprising. I wouldn't have started with him anyway, but I have to say 63 points per game at 632k. He was safe as a bank last year. He wasn't scoring many tries. He only scored four, which on an edge for him is low. But there's too many edges anyway, unless we knew he was locked in at 80. I got him in draft um, you know, mid-rounds, Luke. I was pretty happy with that. And I'm gutted now he's on the bench. So let me just let you talk about Dom Young instead, okay? Um, Young's come over. I'm sure you're annoyed about it. 63 points per game. He is a, a fully-fledged gun now. Um, and I think that we could see how much growth he still has because his base is only 23. Like, his base attack is great. Tackle breaks and offloads, 24 per game. That's fantastic. Gives him a floor at 47. But at a 23 base, I actually think that can go up. Uh, obviously, he what equally led the league in uh, tries scored last year. I guess a question is going to be, can he continue with that? He's only been in the NRL for three years and he's only had two full seasons and he scored 14 tries in his first full season in 2022 and 25 tries last year in 2023. I tend to think that he's going to be in the 20s at the Roosters. How do you sort of see his transition going from Newcastle to the Roosters? Um, I found it weird that people have said they're looking at him because he's going from the Knights to the Roosters and this is only me getting my back up over the fact that the Knights finished ahead of the Roosters last year. So it's a bit like why like the suggestion that he's going to a team that finished below them would mean his tries would go up when he scored 25. It's very unlikely he's going to score 25 tries again, um, not because the Roosters aren't any good, but because there's just a lot of tries and how many people do that. You go through and have a look how many people get 20 in a row several years, it's really elite players. So if he, he could drop four tries off, and I would consider that to be an outstanding season, to have gone 25 tries and then say 21 would be incredible. So... I would see that his try scoring almost has to regress. It's certainly not going to go up from there. I just don't think we're going to see him score 26, 27 tries. Um, whether he makes up that for, for that in work rate kind of remains to be seen. In real life, he's really, really good out of the backfield because he almost always gets a quick play the ball or a penalty. He's very hard to handle, and a lot of the time he gets dragged down because they can't kind of hold him back. They end up holding on way too long. He gets penalties, so it'd be very useful there, but he doesn't come in 
for a lot of work and he, he he didn't kind of do that even when we didn't have Marjorie playing there. So it's not that he was stepping out because those guys were there. He just never has really come in to do a large amount. So, you know, yes, it could improve, but, you know, we could have said that about Alex Johnson when he was 20 or something, couldn't we, and said, oh, look at this guy's thing. If his base goes up, how good's he going to be? And, and they don't. So it's hard to say. I wouldn't be – I know he's not – He's injured now anyway, but I wouldn't really be looking at him early. I'd be waiting until he gets – there'll be a, a time where he doesn't score for a few weeks and he gets cheap um, for him. He, and I would risk him then because he's the kind of guy who gets hot and he'd probably get two or three tries um, in a week and then do it again. And we certainly saw what Brett Morris did. Uh, I know it's a different team. It's a few years ago, but Brett Morris had some real runs on that edge. Um, and that's probably where I see him. If you wait and start to see him down in the fives and – um, or even lower, you know, because he hasn't scored a try for a couple of weeks and they've got a good-looking couple of games coming up, I'd definitely have a look. But, you know, early season, until he gets cheaper than this, you're picking a guy off scoring 25 tries and probably, you know, it's the no one has ever scored that many tries in the wing for months before. So that's how good his year was. And, you know, I don't think that we, again, we've kind of got to see it from the Roosters, this kind of weird assumption that he'll go better because he was in the Roosters' wing, which I'm not saying you're saying, but a lot of people have said, mm. oh, he's going from the Knights yeah, to the Roosters, it'll go up. And you'll go, well, the Roosters didn't attack as well as the Knights last year or finish as high, and I want to see it before I'm going to get into that kind of narrative. Um, they can because we saw it with Morris a couple of years ago. They know how to get down that edge, but until we see it, sit and watch, and if he gets cheap and they're starting to look good, absolutely, where he's exactly the kind of guy you could jam in over that buy period, which is disgust. Um, with a couple of really good games in there and a couple of softer games. He's English. He's not going to play Origin. You could really hit the jackpot for some big scores through that that run if you're lucky. I'll be planning on buying him at some point. Um, yeah. Him being injured, it means we can't talk about him for round one anyway, but at 640000 I agree with you. I think that he's going to be uh, probably between 500 and 540. You probably get 100 yeah. or so discount on him at some point, and that's going to be really useful. You're not going to pay cheap for him, but it'll be cheap relative to the 640K he's priced at to start with. I do think you'll score in the 20s just because the, that Roosters wing is hot property. That's where a lot of the tries are scored for the Roosters mm. traditionally, for players that can finish, and Brett Morris yeah. could finish. Dom Young can finish too. I agree that he might not hit 25 though because it's very hard to do, but he's a special talent. I, I will uh, not not go back on you on the AJ comment, um, but I will say that AJ doesn't have quite the physique of Dom Young to actually put some work in. So, No, no, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a bit facetious. I know, it was tugging cheek. But he's, he's young and he, we haven't seen his work rate. Now, I would, I would rather, I'm not going to just, sh- I want to see it because it's a lot of that stuff's attitude. They're mm. the smaller guys that make a lot more runs. So uh, you kind of want to see it. And I think he's kind of sees himself as that finishing Ferrari kind of guy, you know, like a flashy guy and, and um, not in a bad way. He's very good at it and he, he did do the tough stuff when he needed to do it, but he wasn't kind of like begging for the ball out of the back end. He, he'd go and do it, but, you know, some a lot of that's attitude and you kind of want to see it, I think, before you start calculating in your plans. Oh, he's still got a lot to learn too. He's still he's still very yeah. young and he's still very inexperienced as well for top top level rugby league too, so... All those things can be good, but it can mean there's quite a few mistakes and learning curves as well. Um, it is a red flag. Like I've given him a lot of positives, but it is actually a red flag that he only scored a, a, an average of 63 when he scored 25 tries. And I will say seven out of his 23 games, he scored two or more tries as well, which is fantastic. It's a great strike rate, but almost 30% of the time going multiple tries and only coming away with a 63 average at the end of the year, that's not fantastic. When I say I, lo- I, I like uh, Sevo for runs, 
I sometimes get hassled about it because he can be so bad, and it's 100% true he can, but that's worse than CFO. <laughs> so there is that. Yeah, but he, there's only two tons in that. that uh, sorry, three. There's three, four in the season, but he's got a nine in round one in 80 minutes. So, yeah. you know, there's a nine, there's a 25, there's a 26, there was a dropped, there's an 18. Um, you know, there's a 24 against the Bulldogs when we, we – Scored sixty points. So yes, it can go. It can go the wrong way. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see on Young, but I, I am going to be buying him at some point for that Roosters wing spot. Uh, look, we're looking at rising guns. Sammy Walker, I said, is in for a big year. I I do like him this year. I do think that the draws quite difficult. I got him in draft uh, pretty early. I think it was around three or four because I had to get a half back, but I was quite comfortable with it. Obviously, he's got the goal kicking. Um, his base last year was actually, surprisingly enough, not as bad as you'd think it is with someone like him. You know, he has quite a few missed tackles because he's a little guy, but he's still average 25 in rural base, which, you know, isn't good, but it's not absolutely abysmal. Like I was talking earlier today with Perso, and Trindle's got like a, a 15 average in 80 minutes as a half in base. So you can do a lot worse than Sammy Walker's 25. He's obviously got the try assist that he's looking for to try and get his scores up, and as well as that, the goal kicking. I do like the consistency, though, of the last three years. He's gone... 62, 59, and 60 points per game. He's yet to turn 22 years of age. So, you know, some people might look at that and say, oh, look, he's he just sort of plotted along at that 62, 59, 60. He's been around a 60-point guy for three years. Yeah, but, like, he didn't play much last year either, and he's also very young, and that's a big deal. You know, it's a few years now. This is a type of year where I expect him to be uh, potentially a lot better, although it might take a bit of time with the draw that the Roosters have early on. And that's going to be the caveat, unfortunately, with a lot of these Roosters players. He comes in at 610,000. Uh, Luke, I've said on other podcasts, I've decided to go against Cleary early. I'm planning on getting him in when he plays the Tigers. Um, I think he's around seven or six, whatever it is. But I'm not considering Sam Walker. To me, it was always going to be Moses with the draw. Uh, and that's the other big problem with Sam Walker. He's a halfback only. If he was a six, uh, I could almost get around considering him, especially with the dearth of six options that we have for a goal-kicking half at 610000 You could do a hell of a lot worse uh, than putting some money on him to actually have a good year. I think that he'll do better than 60 points per game, uh, but he's another one where he looks like an absolute gem of a target in that origin period for that round 13 buy. And I would love to get him in there with two other halves, but you've only got two spots, right? Yeah, that's right. Again, like you said, that the buy period is probably the time to have a good look at him. Um, with, without the draw, if you're going to bet against Cleary or Hines, I don't mind him as an option. But that draw, it's just it's not friendly to him having his big days out because he can really rinse rinse teams when they fall apart, and it's just hard to see that many of those teams falling apart early. So against probably one that with any luck, he might actually lose a bit of value and come into that middle part of the season at a good price for us when we're starting to look to palm off a Cleary during Origin if we think he's going to get rested or if Nico gets picked and all that kind of thing. We can start. We're always looking for guys around there and he might be a guy that can do a job in that period. Yeah, it's a, it's a small sample size last year, but he was a lot more, he was pretty consistent. Like 63% of his games, he went 60 plus and, and 50% of them, he went 70 plus, which is the elite territory that you want. If you can keep that up over a season, it's going to be a phenomenal season for him. So... I'll be watching. Uh, I do think they do have a good season. I cannot possibly start with him. So, Ali, I'm going to go past completely because I think that we've already said, you know, when Dom Young comes back, there could be some issues with him. We don't know where he's going to go. So I don't think you can look at him. Uh, fallen gun-wise, Tupo is the obvious fallen gun. He played pretty well last year, but he's a few years removed from his 71 points a game in 2020, which was an outstanding season for the Roosters. And certainly the lack of tries 
the last couple of years in particular have, have hurt Tubo because he's a beneficiary a lot of the time of some of that attack. His base base attack has remained really good. So combined, you're looking at for a winger, 46 points per game in his base base attack. He's always got all those runs. He's often doing 20 runs, often has a couple of tackle breaks and a couple of offloads in a game. It gives him a nice floor, um, but without the try scoring last year, only 55 points per game in the year before when they struggled as well, 58 points per game. Uh, he didn't score as much as he normally would. Now, in saying that, he had two doubles and he still managed to score, what, 10 tries for the season across his 18 games. It's decent, uh, but his strike rate has been much higher when the boosts have been you know, flying. Drew up 122 as a high. Like normal with the Daniel Tupo, his lowest score was 28, and then his next lowest are the 33s. You're not going to get the single digits or the teens from him. That's the good things. Uh, I would 100%, as you know me well, Luke, would be looking at him if the Roosters had a good draw to start because <laughs> he's only 558,000. Yeah, that's decent to, to plug someone in when there's no cheapy centre wings and we're going to have to spend a bit in centre wing. But he just doesn't have that good draw. Um, if the Roosters start well, like I could see him putting up good points against the Broncos, good points against Manly, it's again going to come back to that draw. You know, is he someone, you know, that's not going to play Origin? Round 13, again, good Rooster to get in. Maybe, and look, some of these guys, including Tupo, round five is when they play the Bulldogs. It is harder against the Knights. It is harder against Melbourne. And they've got the Dragons. It might be around that time that you need to cash out of guys uh, that didn't work out and it might work out. Turbo hasn't been a gun for a, for a few years. I'm going to say that he's going to get back to gun status at 60 plus. But obviously, again, it's just a bit of a Turbo love fest, Luke, because we can't start with him either. Yeah, that's yeah, unfortunate. Just, yeah. <laughs> he needs better opposition to that to, to justify putting him. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes with a similar average or a little bit higher, or or there's a run of games in the middle there where he is actually super relevant. So I'll sort of wait and see. Pods, and I'm not big on this one, but like a lot of people are looking at front row forward and going. I'm going to throw a Max King in there because I know what I'm going to get out of it. Um, I'm going to throw some of these similar sort of guys that are sort of 520 to 560 range. You don't have to spend too much on them. And I understand the thinking because I've looked at the same across a few different options. I haven't looked at Lindsay Collins much. He hasn't been in my team. Uh, but I will say, like, and this might be controversial to some people, I thought he was arguably like one of the best props in the game in rugby league last year. On the representative stage for Australia and for Queensland, he was phenomenal. Uh, got the medal for Queensland, I think, from memory. And he was just outstanding last year. Played 56 minutes a game. That may not be there. Uh, 53 points per game. But even back in 2021, uh, he, he averaged 59 points a game in a much better PPM. I do wonder if his PPM can go up and if his minutes are still going to stay reasonably high. He is the alpha front rower in, in this team. 544 is probably a little bit much. Uh, and when you look at his scoring, Luke, yeah, there's definite... A lot of material there, um, but probably one of those guys in real life that deserves a lot more credit for last year than in Supercoachy. Only scored the two tries, never going to be there. He doesn't have much base attack at only five per game, but he's got a raw base of 48. And I do see him as someone that can push a raw base in the 50s, in which case he is in that sort of Max King area. And at 27, like these are his peak years. Yeah, that's true. He was really good in real life last year, but I'm really off him because I started him last year and I thought he was going to get this uptick in minutes and he got like 56 the first week and it was all looking good score. And then he just did a lot of 40s in scores and just touching 50 and Robbo would fiddle with his minutes here and there. And I just think they've got too many middles. He's good. He's a good player in real life, but they've just got too many guys. He needs to get minutes and they're just going to share those around too much in that side. I think they're stacked with guys who can play in the middle 
Um, and they're stuck with guys who can play good minutes. And it's just, I think if you, you'll see it for two weeks and think, oh, there's this uptick and then it, it, it won't be there the third week because someone else will get their share and it'll rotate them around. So I couldn't really look at him. I, I don't think there's enough. I think if you want to get a 50, you could probably try and find it a little bit cheaper than you can get it from him. And he probably doesn't have the upside of like a Max King to maybe get to 60, I guess. He's probably more of sort of 57 or 58 sort of thing. No, he's not going to throw a few offloads, yeah. He got a try disallowed when I had him last year, and I haven't forgotten that either. It's very upsetting. <laughs> but it went on his score. It was one of those ones where they, they gave it live, so you got to see it go into the score and then have to watch it delete <laughs> off your score. Um, and it was very, very upsetting. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just – it is what it is. He's so dependent on the game and the minutes because he's just not going to offload the ball. He's not going to put someone through a goal every now and then. Um, and but, you, but in real life, he's a wonderful player. But uh, if you're going to try and scrape that 50, I, I'd, I'd – Go for someone with more upside at his range or go someone a bit cheaper who can probably grab to 50 and two. There's a few of those guys around that might be able to do that. Yeah, I agree. In real life, though, I'm picking him for an absolute bumper season. I think that he's going to be um, coming on from last year, be one of the one of the top few front rowers in the game. Brandon Smith, we're going to start with him for the mids and cheap. He's talked to finish off on the Roosters. He's going to come in at 471000 Now, I have had pieces of Brandon Smith before, sometimes good, sometimes absolutely awful. And I didn't really want to go back to that table again. I was um, I was all set. I've had enough of it. But I have started to look at it because this is where we're at at the hooker position. He's priced on a 46 average. He played 58 minutes a game. That's only one point better than um, when he played, what, nine minutes a game less in 2022 and averaged 45. Like, he has been very disappointing in the last couple of years. Um, there are a few excuses that don't show in the numbers that I will throw out there. One of them being that he was unfit last year. Now, some of that is his fault, but some of it is he was carrying a rib cartilage injury for a number of weeks. He also had a busted broken thumb. There was a lot of different problems with him last year, and it just wasn't the Roosters' year in general too. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in saying that, he's coming in with a full preseason. Apparently, he's healthy. I thought he does look fitter, which does matter. Um, and at 58 minutes a game, we've got Sandon Smith there, and we've already seen the team, but... Sandon Smith being there says to me that he's probably looking at 65 minutes and maybe Sandon jumps in for 15. Uh, There is potential maybe that Sandon doesn't get used, although I find that probably unlikely. If there is a late switch and Watson was on the bench, then I'd be more comfortable that maybe he would go towards an 80-minute hooker. But I think we have to look at it as a 65-minute proposition, Luke, and in a 65-minute proposition, maybe his upside is up to nine points at maximum where he can get to sort of 55 points per game healthy. Uh, but is that worth paying the 471 and putting him in a hooker and playing him each week? I guess the question is, do you want to just go for 50s there and make up those points elsewhere? And that's what it's going to come down to with Cheese. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have a fantastic PPM for a hooker. And the other thing that I don't like about him is a 33 raw base in 58 minutes. Um, I will say he's about appy like last year, which I thought was an outlier, but that's what he did. Uh, but he's just his base attack and his scoring and stuff just isn't there. I think people are used to seeing Cheese burrow over and make these tough runs and break through. He only had two tries last year in 19 games. You know, can he pick that back up? I think he can, but it's probably pretty limited ceiling in him. Yeah, I think he comes into consideration because of how hard the position is. Um, I almost, my theory would almost be that you could put yourself out of it. I would not pick him as my first hooker. I'm not prepared to do that because you're then picking Cheese, who is risky and he, he does get injuries and 
you know, he disappoints you and you're trying to pick someone cheap, which all come with a lot of this year, there's just no obvious option. Um, if we, unless Brad Arthur picks one of those eels and not the other one, which we won't know before Smith plays and they're both not that good anyway, um, we're not going to know, really have a good hooking option. Uh, and his value to me is he's the cheapest person that I would be comfortable playing as a second hooker where the idea is I would get them and that's it for the position where I would be like, you are going to be my second hooker all year and you're only going to basically play if someone's injured or when my main hooker has to buy because I just don't trust any of these cheaper guys. And what you are is I trust that he will not go down from that price and he does have the potential to go up. There's, if I had to play cheese one week, I know that he can burrow over for a try. I know that he can burrow over for two and he might get me out of jail. So I think he could go back up. Not enough for me to think he should be my top hooker. I just don't trust that enough. And they'll be making a lot of trades at hooker if you get cheese and then you pick the wrong cheapy hooker or none of them go well. Um, you're pretty, you're not going to make much money in those positions there. But if you're going to say, right, I'm going to pick a first hooker, whether that's Harry Brent or whether you're going a bit cheaper and into the 500s there, whatever, picking someone you're prepared to play and then saying, Cheese, I'm, you, you might play him the first few weeks, but for most of the season, you're planning that I'm just going to leave him there unless a great cheapie comes later. He's going to sit there as my backup all year. He doesn't play Origin. He's there. I can plug him in for 40 to 60, hopefully, whenever my main hooker's out, buys, injuries, whatever, and just not worry about hooker that way, not worry about, like, last year, trying to, what the hell are you going to have? How hell are you going to get something Luke out of your team and all this stuff? If it would just be right, I picked my hooker, it's Grant or someone else that I'm going to turn to Grant later. And I've put Cheese there and all I'm going to do all year is leave Cheese there and trade the other guy up to Grant or start Grant and Cheese or let him go. And I'm done. I'm not going to waste trades there. I've got options. I've got Grant, who's the one you want, and I've got Cheese, who I can play if I have to and who might match anyone else anyway on any given week. If you have to play him for one week, he can match those guys. And th that's the way I'd look at it is there's just no one under his price. I'm prepared to lock in and say I can play him if I have to. I, I don't – everyone else – you know, cheese I would play if I had to. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of, it's almost just, if there was a better options cheaper and we had a cheapie that was going to get 80 minutes or 65 minutes and it was 200K or whatever, I, I wouldn't look at cheese. But it's so hard in that position and it's so likely that people are going to stuff themselves with really poor guys down there that there is an argument for just locking him in and letting him go. Yeah, and one of the big things I agree with you there that I have seen teams doing is, is putting him as your first hooker. I, I don't like doing it. I think that he's just got too lower downside. And like we just haven't seen him hit his straps for a few years. And it, it could go the other way. Like I'm saying he's healthy and he looks good. and stuff. It, it could just stick the same and he could be run out of town by the end of the year. Uh, we don't know. So it is very risky to do that. And I think that you're going to lose too many points by doing that. Um, and the other thing too is that he just doesn't have a good enough floor. Like he had four games last year, which were not injury affected, which were sub thirties. They were in the twenties for a hooker who was playing his normal role of around 50 minutes a game uh, at the time. You know, that's, that's just not good enough. I do think that the upside and what we can aim for is the 2020 season. He he did play, you know, all, all over the place for the storm, including hooker, but he averaged 55 points per game in, in 54 minutes, but he was playing around 65 minutes a game as a hooker and he was averaging actually, you know, close to 60 odd for that five games, there, small sample size. I do think that we could look at a sort of a 55 average from him if he has a good se season, but that's sort of the ceiling numbers for him. It, his actual numbers don't scream 
uh, super coach and they don't translate as well as what you think with the eye test either. Even when he's looking good, his numbers actually aren't. He doesn't have a good base and he doesn't have as many tries as what you think he's got in him as well. So even as a second hooker, I, I agree with you. If there's nothing named that's cheaper, then, yeah, you could probably take a punt and just hope that it's his season and he's healthy and he's going to deliver for the Roosters. Uh, but in saying that, you know, we do have someone like Little who's a good comparison. Little is 454000 If he ends up named round one because he's got an injury cloud and he looks like an 80-minute hooker, I would get Little over him for, for that little bit less, but knowing that he's going to get the minutes locked in. I might too, but the thing is we won't know. That's the difficulty with the Vegas. We won't know. You've kind of got to decide where you know Cheese is going to, you know, he's not going to go down. Like he's not going to start to get it. Little, we don't, you know, we we know if Little gets 80, yeah, totally agree. But if if we haven't seen Little's rotation, we haven't seen what the new coach is going to do. We do know that Cheese won't go worse than last year. Like he'll probably get you 50 points. As an average, yeah. you have to play him. That, that's kind of the thing. You're going to have to go before these Eels hookers or before Little and like make a call. I could understand just avoiding the stress and avoiding the uncertainty with your team structure and just saying, I'm going to put him there. We kind of we could hope that we get enough information by Saturday, but obviously we may not, and you're right. It can be really, really bad and it can backfire. Um, I guess the other way is that you can go the opposite way and go, you know what, at his price point, um, He's less than $100,000 away from Happy Chorus here. Sure. And you could just go, you know what, I, I need, just need to find that extra money um, and save the headache there and take a points hit somewhere else. And that can just be a matter of going, you know, instead of Max King, I'm going to go to Tola. I was going to plod there at front row anyway. I'm just going to plod the same but with less money in there um, and we could make those sort of changes. So, yeah, I, I think that there's, it's going to be very hard to see where Smith is going to go and I'm just going to say I really don't know. Um, but yeah. Wong is the next guy on the list. And I tell you what, we've got a couple of engines in Wong and Satili who are both options, who have both been named. And we don't know whether either of them is going to get 80 minutes, which is really tough. I mean, you can guess that probably one of them is going to, but which one, you don't know. I think with both of them, though, they've got um, the value on their side. So certainly with Wong, first of all, He's at 462,000. Um, that's with 46 minutes a game where he averaged 45 points a game, which was super impressive for him. Uh, I thought he looked great. He had a 34 base as someone only playing 46 a game and playing on an edge. That's that's really quite good, and it translates well to bigger minutes. Uh, along with that, he, he did have a couple of tries, but he scored well with those tries, right? Um, he's played 16 minutes for one of the tries and scored a 50. And the other one that he got, um, what he played 51 minutes, which is probably more around his role potentially, and he scored 76. So he does have the work rate. He passes the eye test. Uh, he's a little bit more than some of the other mids at 462, but I think you can get around the fact that on the numbers, on what we've seen from him, if his worst-case scenario is sort of 55 minutes, um, he's still going to be potentially maybe even up to 10 points better than his price point as a worst case. Um, maybe you want to be a bit more conservative and say five better, but he, he's not going to be below his price point. So you're not going to lose cash on him, I don't think. Um, whereas Satili, he is coming off a long layoff. We don't know how he's going to really look. We've seen him in trials and he's been good. But I think that the thing with him is um, he's sub 400K. He's 398,000. So at 65k less and knowing the sort of player that Satili is with a, uh, and with the try scoring ability that he has he presents another option where you can save money on him I've actually lent towards Satili um, just because of the price point being cheaper he's only on a, a 39 average price point at 45 minutes a game 
uh, very similar minutes wise. You know that he's going to be able to do probably ten better than that, even if he spells at a minimum. Um, but I just uh, I, I'm I'm liking what I saw from him in the preseason, and a lot of people probably forget Luke that he's only twenty six years old still. So it's quite a decision with these couple because, like you said before, with Smith, you've got to go for it now. We could even get late changes, but. I don't think either can really burn you too much because they're obviously going to be a big part of the team still. Yeah, it, it's it's hard because in a lot of seasons, I would have just taken both. Um, but there's so many that we are predicting will show up next week. Is that, you know, we'll, we'll, there's already, say, Pierre Cora this week who looks like he should get the whole whole game or most of it. And then we're assuming next week that we should get Lane, um, Lukey, Smithy, uh, Smithies, or whatever his name is, the, the Pommy, and um, then, you know, kick out if you're interested, possibly Curran, if if he if they show some modicum of common sense and don't start salmon at lock. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's another conversation. And there's probably even a couple of others I'm, I'm skipping over there. So there's going to be so many in that mid-range that uh, I don't know that I want to lock two of the roosters in. Um, and I'm kind of agreeing with you is that I've seen it as satirically because you know, going into next week, if I then take, you know, if I start a Pierre Cura and I start Supernova and then I take a Lane or Luki and, or something like that or a Luki and a kick out, whatever, all those guys are similar to Wong's price point. So I feel like if Wong comes out and plays 80 minutes and looks like everyone said he looks in the juniors and how he looked in the semi final last year and you're going, wow, like this guy, we've got to have him, you're going to have guys you can swap to him. Um, it, you know what I mean? So it's, but it's kind of like if he comes out and plays 50 minutes and scores 45 points, and that's, you know, that's a good PPM, but you, you know, that's going to be a fair way behind some of these, what we hope is going to come up the next week. Whereas if Tupanua scores 45 points, it's at that cheaper price, it's not as big a deal. So I'm kind of minded to go with Tupanua, pick these other guys that I'm pretty confident we're going to get three or four of next week. I don't think there's much doubt we're going to get enough mid-rangers in the back row to pick from. And and, and if Wong looks really good, um, I'll swap one of them to him because he's got he's got so much upside on what ability we're seeing he's got. So if he looks like he's going to fulfil that, we'll just uh, there'll be other guys you can probably swap to him because one of these guys won't work. That's how it, how it goes, right? Like we'll, we'll all pick a mid-ranger or two and it doesn't really get it done. And, and, and that's probably the swap to Wong. Um, because I don't really see how Satili can really be – he's going to be good at 398K. If he doesn't get hurt, I just don't see how that can't be a sleeve dunk. Yeah, I, I, the, the price is the biggest thing. Like you said, I think that committing 398 yeah. is a lot easier to do than the 462. And yeah. I just I, – I actually said the whole preseason, like I'm not interested in any Roosters forwards probably. Mm. And I've just sort of relented the last week on putting Satili in, and I'm probably going to stick with that. I'll, I'll only end up having Satili – as my lone um, rooster that I'll have in my side. And that's a lot to do with the draw. But Satili could come out, but I have to pick him over Wong too just because of that price point. And I will say we haven't quite seen the best out of him, but he is quite experienced yet still young and still has the best in front of him at 26 years old. He's been around for a while. And his versatility's hurt him before. Like the last season that we saw him, you know, uninjured for a long period was 2022. And... He ended up scoring seven tries in he can play. 16 he can games, play. which is yeah. a really good strike rate. He can play. But one of the things that happened there is that people will look at it and go, he only had a 35 base. That's pretty poor, even for an edge. And it is, but he got moved to centre like four different times in that season. 
and that really hurt him. Like he had a an eighteen point. It hurt me too because I owned him. It hurt me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the Gold Coast Science one. I owned him for that one, and um, he ended up getting injured after eighteen minutes as well. Um, but yeah, he had another one against Penrith where he played center and scored eighteen points against Penrith, which is a real tough go to throw him in at center for that one. You know, when you're looking at his eighty minute games, really as a second row, he's he's got a, a base in the forties if he's playing the big minutes. And that's pretty good when he's got some tackle breaks on him. He's got an offload on him. Uh, and, you know, that was normally around 11 points per game, even in limited minutes. So, you know, he's going to score tries as well. So I, I'm i all around Satili at the moment. Um, I'm going to say, though, I think the teams need to go away. And would you agree that he's probably at the, the end of the list? Because he's at the end of mine, like despite him being pretty cheap. I'm going to pick all the other guys over him that I think are definitely going to start. Like definitely pick Cura, definitely Lane. Um, I, I probably will take him over Smithies just because I think he's got better job security. But um, all these other guys probably, you know, that I know, like if I know Curran's starting rather than on the bench, then I'd probably pick Curran over Satili as well. We have to really look at the mail. But for me, he's probably the last sort of mid-ranger that I'm going to throw in because the last thing I'll throw out there as a big red flag is he might be starting now. But who knows what's going to happen in three weeks with all these other blokes here, guys like Angus and stuff. We, It's very hard to pick, and I'm surprised that Napwich is not there as it is. So it could all go pear-shaped pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I probably don't want to take two because um, at the moment, for example, I've got Lane, Piakura, Lukey, and uh, Smitty. So I'm pretty sure I want those, and I've got two vanilla and then a proper cheapie at the at the bottom because I, I can't play three back rowers on my bench so that one of them will miss the team. But... It's um, if I was to take Wong and then Josh Curran was to start at lock next week, then I would have to be leaving out Lane Curran, Lukey, or, or Smithies, and Smithies is cheap. Um, and I like Lane and Lukey. Like I'm, Lukey's one that I left off. He's a must-have for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. Yeah, I'm quite. You know, with Luciano, but I'm really like dialed into picking those guys. So if I was to pick two roosters and we get a really, really like perfect scenario next week of mid ranges, and that doesn't count. I don't think this will happen now. I think it's off the table by the trial form. But I mean, Sean Bloor is still a chance to play for Melbourne. We have to presume he did come on and play some football there against the Knights. So. You know, there's guy. There's so many guys there that if they all lobbed up, I would probably be annoyed that I'd locked in both of the Roosters' edges, particularly when one of them then doesn't play any minutes. Um, so I just do think you want to pick one, and I think it's too Benua, but I, I wouldn't blame anyone for picking one because he just looks so good. And if he comes out, you're taking the punt, but if he comes out and plays 80 minutes from round one, um, he'll be a must-have. Like, I'll be, you know, if that comes happens and he plays 80 minutes, 80 minutes, and we get to round three, They've got the round, uh, you know, they, they don't have a buy for a fair while. I'll be definitely moving to get him in before prices change. So I can see why you do it at the same time, but I'm just a bit wary of taking two when I want to see these team lists and see who we get next week. Yeah, I don't think there's any way you can take two. You just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, and Wong's just got – Wong couldn't, I think, be – one of the staples of Supercoach teams for several years. I rate him so highly, and I think that he's going to be the future of the Roosters forward pack. But it may not happen right away. And at 462000 you could lose sixty k before you start really seeing the benefit of that. Uh, and really, there's enough options where you don't need to try and take that risk. I am going to finish off on the Roosters by talking about some front rowers here. And one of them I have actually been in large disagreement with in the off-season. Can I just say, like, you know, people say, oh, Barnsley, a bit one-eyed Roosters fan. I've had, I've had no Roosters. I've actually talked people against all of them. Like, I've, I've talked people off so many. And Terrell May, I have been really surprised at how many people really think that he's amazing. Because to me, 
I'm just going to give a brutal take on him, okay? I love him as a player. I think he's great. He showed a lot last year. But he averaged 33 minutes a game last year. That's probably his role now. And people are like, no, he can play 45. Yeah, he can. But he is the fourth front row forward in that rotation for me. No doubt. Collins, JWH, Spencer Linu, and then Terrell May. And Spencer Linu, people are putting below him. Spencer Linu did not leave the three-peating Panthers who would have been happy to keep him off the bench and play him 33 minutes a game to play less than Terrell May was playing for the Roosters. You know, I just don't see that at all. And I don't know where it's come from that Terrell May is going to get all these extra minutes. I just don't think they have it. Lindsay Collins is a minimum sort of 50-ish minutes. JWH is going to play 40-odd minutes. Spencer Lino is going to play mid-30s around about. And Terrell May is probably going to be at his price point of 33, which he ended up scoring 42 points a game. There might even be downside on May. And none of that's in real life, but it's just instead of 42 points per game in 33 minutes, he might actually score 36. Uh, maybe he gets three extra minutes, and at 36 minutes a game, he still scores less than his 42 price point. Uh, he's actually $430,000, which is a lot of money for somebody who's on the bench, potentially the fourth best front row forward on the 17, which I think he is. And other guys that can play middle, like Nat Butcher and Nafil White, that's there now too, um, taking the JWH spot, you know. And we did see a bit of a hand shown where Spencer Linu is actually the starter. And people still are saying, oh, well, you know, Linu will still play less minutes. Linu played exactly the same minutes as what May did last year at 33. And I don't see how he's not going to play more in the Roosters side. And even if he doesn't play many more, he's still going to relegate, mate. And 332000 for Spencer Linu is actually a bit cheaper than what we've got um, May priced at as well. So I just, I'm not particularly into, interested in Spencer, but I would actually pick him over May just because one's 430K and one's 330K. And that's a really big difference in, in price point. Yeah. I found the May thing confusing because I watched him play before in first grade. He was like the pain passive reserve grade. Like he was just play most of the game, offload, million runs, and just looked like he was never tired and stuff. So I was really keen to say when in first grade, and I was really impressed. Like, I thought he was really good at the end of the year and probably the best forward for the Roosters at the very end of the year, um, with a lot of injuries, obviously. But I thought he was the guy that was really stood up and carried them late in the season. Um, but none of that matters because it's all about minutes, um, and what you, you you know what he can do in them is actually a lot in Supercoach. That if he had you know for example the Bulldogs were trying to sign him and stuff, if that had gone ahead and they had released him early, he'd be the first guy I'd pick because if I if I thought he was going to get fifty five minutes in the front row, which I actually think he can play, he would average like sixty five points pretty comfortably. Um, but he's not going to get those minutes, so I just don't really see it because even let, let's say he was going to get forty minutes, you'd want to. Do you want to do you want to lock that in? Like get that price for forty minutes because it is expensive, and it, he will. He does have a very good PPM. But the thing when you're playing in the middle is game flow really matters. So if you come on the field and the other team gets two penalties in a row and then scores, you've spent five, six, seven minutes not getting any points, and that there just will be weeks where that happens to you, um, no matter how good you are. So I, I kind of like I just. Once you're talking about I want the guy to start a game for me, like start in super coach and actually get me the 50, 55 points, I, I don't want to like kind of be in that situation where we're getting Pangai of the early Broncos here where he's playing 29 minutes and you're just crossing your fingers he throws 10 offloads to get the 50 because he does some weeks. But, you know, you kind of just want to make sure 
I just want to look a guy in who I know is going to get minutes. He's going to be on the field and he'll get the stuff done. I don't want to be crossing my fingers that he has to throw four offloads to get himself to the 50 points I need. Um, but if they get injuries, you get two guys hurt in the front row, I'll be lucky. I'll be finding a way to get him in because he has the capacity to be a very good super coach player and he has a motor to play big minutes. So I'll be really keen. But I think it's just hidden hope. I think people just want, they just saw that potential and just kind of dig their head in the sand and say it's going to happen just because he can, because um, there's no reason to think it. No, I just, I don't see it at all. I actually, like it might, it's coming off in this preseason, like a really hot take, but I actually hate him as a super coach option. Like he's been really, po- I hate him. I've, there is no way I'm paying anywhere near 430K for a, a bench front row forward on the Roosters side. Like this, it's, I can't see any of it at all. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong and I might be like, maybe he'll bust out and be amazing, but look, 33 minutes a game. and Well, that's the thing. is that being, being proven wrong here, no one's saying he can't play. Like, if he can be proven wrong, it's minutes. If he was to get more minutes than we're expecting, then you you will be wrong because he's that good. Like, he's really good. Um, but why would we think that's going to happen based on the amount of forwards they've got and based on the fact that even with their, you know, with JWH out, he's still not starting is there's no reason to think you're wrong about that. So if he gets the minutes, let's just deal with it then. I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't just pick him and hope he gets the minutes. There's no reason to think about it. Well, you've got to pick, so if he gets pick it, where they're going yeah. to come from. Like JWH isn't going to play less than 40. Um, Collins isn't going to play less than 50. He might even play 53 or something. He played 56 last year. And then you've got Spencer Linu, who was at 33 minutes last year. I, I see him playing 36, 37. He could even do a bit more, but like, He's not going to pay less than the, the minutes that he had. Like he's not going to take minutes largely off these guys. So you know, next the year after, next year when JWH is gone, that might be a great time to look at May if he's going to start. But he just can't get the minutes from anyone really. Um, and if he gets an extra few, his PPM was so high that it could go down. Spencer Lino, I don't want to talk about much. We can finish up on the Roosters, but like, I mean, he is someone who actually had a career low PPM at one point zero one. He spent three years before that at 1.21 to 1.26, very comfortably doing a really high PPM. He could actually have value to do better than he's 33 in 32 minutes a game. You know, um, 32 minutes a game, if he gets an extra five and it goes at 37 minutes a game and he goes back to 1.26 PPM, which is more like what he was, then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at 10 points of value at him and he's only 330,000. Like, I'm not going to start with Spencer. But I could see someone argue mathematically how he's actually got value to start at 330k. I can't actually see it for May. Yeah, so it's can you look to to not talk about May anymore? Can you see anything in Spencer there? He's obviously going to get a start this week, so you know he's going to get a little bit of an upshot from from round one without JWH. Um, I don't love it, but I really do want to go cheap in the front row, and I really don't think you can do three cheapies, which some people have talked about. I just don't think you can pick three genuine cheapies because they just often don't work out and we can be as high as we want for example and how good Sam Hughes looked in the first trial for the Bulldogs but I don't want to put one of those guys in the starting team because I've just seen how that can go and he's still a bench front rower isn't he yeah and if you were just with Spencer even if he does go back to the bench which we assume that he will um but you know like you know they could put JWH on the bench it's whatever but Either way, I just know that he's not going anywhere. Like, he's not suddenly going to get 16 minutes because it's not going well or he's not going to get one head knock 
and then someone else plays next week and then they don't pick him the week after, which is the other thing with these cheaper guys, right? Like they just, someone else gets a go and they don't get the spot back automatically. With him, if I really needed the money and I needed the second front rower and I wanted to be dirt cheap, I would consider, I'd half consider him if it really got me something good that I can't get any other way, like it really got me somewhere. I'd feel dirty, but at least you know he's not going anywhere. I don't see him doing worse than last year. It's probably likely you're going to push him up over 400. He also is a big unit, so he is going to score a try at some point. Like someone's going to put him the cheese or someone and put him over near the try line. Um, I don't love it, but I we're all looking at a lot of guys in the 400 range um, at front row. If you're not looking at two two guns, a lot of people looking at that 400 bracket. And you could you could make an argument that are you really going to get many more than five, six, seven less points than going to lend you? And you know, I, I, I don't want to do it, but I mean, I, if I look at my seventeen and there's nothing else I can do to get a couple of guys I want, I, I could see myself doing. Yeah, I will say just to finish on the roosters with these two, Warrior Hargraves when he's um, had a disrupted preseason before has come back off the bench or has played limited minutes, like, and he hasn't really been that disrupted, I guess, but. He's still a fair way off playing and he is older now. Um, like if you go back to 2022, he came off the bench for the first four weeks and he played 39, 33, 29 and 37 minutes. You know, if that happens, you could end up with a 42 to 44 minute Linu for the first month of the season. Like that that may happen as well. Yeah, that'd be that'd be extremely good value if we knew that was to yeah, happen. Yeah, obviously we don't know. And that's the thing with the Roosters. Close the door on them. Unfortunately, I may have none of them once we hit round one, but... It's just, it's a lot of good options. There is some value there. The draw is not very good, and we just don't know what's going to happen with this side. So we really need to see it. Could be good good trades for the early rounds, but we need to see. So that is part one of the Knights and Roosters team previews. Part two, we'll be doing the Knights and me and Luke will continue the discussion. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Make sure you jump on the Partners of the All-Stars podcast, Picklebet, fantastic betting partner. You can jump on there, create an account today, and use the All-Stars affiliate code when you sign up and they'll make sure you take great care of you because i realize that you're one of our listeners oneworldcourier.com.au jump on there if you've got a business that needs shipping of any sort either nationally or internationally or even if you just work for a business that needs it jump on there put all stars as your referral code or how you heard about one world and they'll make sure you get the best rates to start up with as well but other than that amazon soundcloud itunes you know the drill. Make sure you subscribe and you'll get the episode straight away. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And also make sure that you have a great week building your teams and everything. But do tune into part two because it's a great discussion with me and Luke continuing on. Until then, thanks very much for listening. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, 